Welcome to the A to Z of sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth. I'm an intimacy coach and psychologist. I created this show to explore the erotic alphabet, to help you learn more about desire and expressing your desires, discover ways to spice up your relationship and create that sizzling relationship you've always wanted. I do this through solid science, real life stories and interviews with an exciting variety of sex experts. Listen in weekly as I share key strategies to help you create your ideal sexual life. Make sure you join us to access even more sexual strategies on my blog, A to Z of Sex, access our monthly newsletter with subscriber-only offers at www.atozofsex.com. That's A-T-O-Z-O-F-S-E-X. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex. I'm Dr. Lori Beth, and I am your host. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Just a reminder, this podcast deals with adult content, so if you have not got total privacy, you might want to put on some headphones. Today, the letter is E, and E is for education, and that, in this case, is sex education. Sex education is a topic that's fraught with controversy. In many areas, education is governed by local morality, and so there can be a severe lack of detailed information. This leads to higher rates of sexually transmitted infections and higher rates of unplanned pregnancies, which also in many cases means higher abortion rates. Joining me today to talk about sex education are Sonia Karras and Sasha Kauri. Kalori, my apologies. They are two of Australia's most sought after motivational speakers. They're the directors of the Australian Teenage Expo which is their country's largest youth educational event. And they're co-creators and presenters of the Sonia and Sasha show on national television and radio. As social commentators and columnists to one of Australia's most widely read newspapers. And finally, for the last two years running, they have been the Australian ambassadors for the United Nations Women's Entrepreneurship Day. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, Larry Beth. So, oh, it's my pleasure. So I wanted to start out with what you think is the most important factor to consider when you're looking at educating a teenager about sex. Thank you. So I would actually say that it's honesty Mm -hmm. and having an open communication. So if you've got that open communication, then they feel comfortable to be able to ask you a question whenever they feel like it's appropriate. Um, And if you set up that open conversation from a very early age, that's appropriate for them. And when we talk about appropriate, I guess it's really important for us to understand what appropriate really means because there's different things that we can talk about with different um, kids about sex at different ages, but it also means that appropriate means depending on what they've been exposed to. So if they are eight years old and there's a level of conversation that you would probably suggest that that is what an eight-year-old should talk about, but if that eight-year-old has been exposed to something else, then we may need to step it up on so what, what, what you would talk about. So what you're saying, if, you know, So what you're saying is if you've got an average eight-year-old who hasn't been exposed to anything um, really what we would consider to be above their age group. So the average eight-year-old who says, you know, how is it that you got pregnant or 
where did that baby come from? You would speak in one way, but if you have an eight-year-old who's been exposed to um, adult sexuality in some way, shape, or form, either via the internet, via older siblings, via seeing parents or um, walking in on somebody, that you would then step that up and you would assume that you needed to answer questions more fully so that you combat any information that they may not have understood? Absolutely. Well, that happened to me the other day, actually. My son, who is almost nine, said, Mum, okay, so really, where do these babies come from? And I said, oh, you know, the doctor, the doctor takes it out. It has been my standard reply for many years. And he said, yeah, but how? And I said, well, you go to the hospital and just the baby, go, you know, the doctor takes it out. Yeah, I don't think so, Mum. So does it come out of your butt? I said, no, no it doesn't. <laughs> Thankfully, um, <laughs> and I said no. I said, well, does it come out of your penis? I said no, honey. I, women don't have penises. You know, most women don't have penises. Didn't want to get into the entire, you know, fluid gender fluid issue yeah. at an eight-year-old, you know, age. And he said, well, does it come out of your vagina? And I said, yeah, it does. And he sort of looked at me and said, oh, okay, oh. I said, yeah. And he said, does it hurt? I said, yeah, it hurts a bit. And he said, hmm, okay. I said, but you know what, that's very that's very private information and that's something that, you know, not a lot of little people know about and so we need to kind of keep it between us for now. And it's a very adult thing to know, so it's kind of cool that you're becoming an adult, but it's kind of an adult, you know, thing to just keep between the two of us for now because there's lots of young people that aren't quite at your stage of maturity yet, you know, and, and added a little wink and he was like, oh, cool, no worries. And so every now and then he'll sort of walk past and sort of wink at me and go, I know about the babies, you know, <laughs> he sort of thinks that he's in a, on a, a very adult secret. And I'm kind of cool to keep it like that for now because I don't need him running around telling his little eight-year-old friends who don't know about uh, where babies come from that that is exactly what's happening. But at least if he did, you know, it'd be better, you know, if he if he keeps it quiet, that's great. But at least if he does, he's only going to be saying right information. And you gave him, I love your response in terms of letting him question you so um, that you can find out exactly how much he wants to actually know. And what my experience is with a lot of parents is they're so anxious about doing this, that they'll do this. They'll, the child says, you know, where do the babies come from? And they'll go into a complete, explanation starting with you know the penis and the vagina and then all the way through the egg yeah. and, then, and the poor kids like <laughs> information overload yeah and, and really all they wanted to know was that actually the baby does come from out of you and that's all mm. they really wanted to know uh, yeah there's no stalk situation involved it's no. just yeah it's and I thought I thought that's kind of I don't need to go into the whole detail. You can ask anything further. But they are, I mean, eight-year-old, nine-year-old boys, they're talking about butts and all kind, you know, their, their body parts a lot, I'm finding. There's a lot of that kind of conversation going on around. And so he kind of had a little bit of information, I think, from the playground and from other people who are a little more advanced than that, you know, in that sort of arena than he is. Um, but it was funny because he's like, well, can you just be real with me? I'm like, where do they come from? <laughs> so I gave him a tiny bit of little age-appropriate information. But, um, you know, the, the sad part is that they will be exposed to so much more uh, than we ever were at that age. And, you know, my mum was a nursing sister and so she 
sort of gave me, you know, the where do you come, where did babies come from or where did I come from book is a very popular one in Australia. Isn't it Sash where, you know, they, they hand it over and it's like a little boy and they go, and they yeah, go yeah, through the think whole of the same thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, right, there you go. Okay, cool. So so she gave me that. And then there were the so, you know, do you have any questions? No, I don't really, Mum. Have <laughs> any questions? How do you feel about that? Oh, I don't really want to talk about it, to be honest. <laughs> And, you know, she was, I mean, she was lovely. But she sort of, nursing sister, she had all the mechanics down and she was back, she sort of went through the whole thing. And then I spoke to a girlfriend about this the other day and she said, my son asked me about it and I told him about how it all happened and he sort of went from laughing to mortified back to laughing again. So, so see, that means that you and Dad did that. Yes, we did. Oh, well, that's, know, one of the, that's one of the big issues, you know. That's one of the mm. things that usually when they're little, they don't figure that part out. When they're a bit older, yeah. they figure that part out and they're horrified. <laughs> she, was, she said, look, we ended up laughing together. And she said, and I, I went with that. And, and I think that's probably one of the best outcomes that you can have. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think with teenagers, it's tough. Um, I've got a, a almost 15-year-old. Um, yes. And of course, since I do this for a living and I spend a lot of my time talking about sex, um, it it has been an interesting area for us. Um, I very quickly gave him people he could talk to so he didn't have to talk to his mom. Because wow, I remember my dad was a medical doctor and my mother handed the chore over to him. And I <sighs> remember how mortified I was that my father was going <laughs> to talk to me about all these things because I didn't want to talk to about anything I didn't want yes. to know I just wanted to be left alone um so yeah. you know I gave him the opportunity to talk with a number of people and he takes and he'll occasionally ask me a question but for the most part he talks to um his stepfather who he's very close with or my brother who he's also very close with and so I know he's getting good information and I don't worry about it but a lot of his That's super cool it's interesting though. A lot of his friends don't have good information. And so um, one of the areas that there doesn't seem to be a lot of information, and I'm not sure what goes on there is about um, they're just starting to talk about consent because um, of all the date rapes and the rise in, in, in date rape drugs. Um, They talk a little bit about the possibility that somebody might not be straight Okay. But they don't talk very much about it. So what you get, if you look at the average class of kids and you do percentages, right, there will be at least a few children in that class who don't identify as straight. But there's no information that reflects that they're acceptable human beings, which Mm. is hugely difficult in my view, because at that age, and I'm talking like by 12, 13, really, they're already aware of, of, who they are and how they think they are. And they've got loads of information on the television and they've got loads of information on the internet and they go to school and in their class, they're told about, well, they're still told about stuff that was as though it was done in the fifties here. In some yeah. I mean, this, my son's school still talks about it. Like it was, you know, 1950. Yeah. <laughs> Which is such a, I mean, it, it, it's, Again, another conversation with my, my son was saying, oh, mum, can boys get married to boys? And I said, well, unfortunately, no, not in Australia. They can't 
which is really dumb, isn't it? And he said, yeah, it's really stupid. Why couldn't you? And I said, well, you know, because if they love each other, then they should be able to get married is what he said. So, yeah, I agree with you. Our government's uh, a bit slow on that one, sweetheart. And so that's the sort of, that we've just touched on that here. But in Australia, and I think probably because Sasha and I are in schools every day talking to teenagers, we've um, uh, come across, I don't know if, I think you have too, Sasha, in, in the last probably six months, um, especially if there's been schools where we've had uh, teachers say to us, you need to address the audience as hi everyone, rather than being gender specific, especially if we're in a girls' school. So even though the girl, the school would be called blah, 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 girls' secondary college uh, or girls' grammar, um, because we've got some transgender um, people in the audience, we would prefer that you wouldn't pr wouldn't address them as hi girls or hi ladies or anything. Like that. It's just hi everyone and try and try to keep those kind of specifics down to just a general everyone in your language. Have you found that, Sasha? Oh, absolutely. And also, I think um, without coming back to a Kardashian thing, uh, Caitlyn Jenner has been a big topic of conversation it has almost made it um, something that you can speak about at the table and it's actually introduced um, those conversations quite early in a lot of people's households to not be such a big deal and it's also um, asked I've looked at it myself where where I'm using different language with my children so rather than me saying when, you know, I have two boys, one of, them, one of them me saying, when you get married and she's going to come over and, you know, and, and putting a gender specific to it, I've now started saying when you meet somebody and, mm. and not having, um, not putting that specific gender onto it because it's actually found that, um, and we've actually worked with a, a, young, a number of young people that have... Um, they're, they're gay and they've actually um, had really supportive parents. But even with having really supporting parents, they've actually still had a hard time in coming out because their whole life they didn't want to disappoint their parents when they were thinking one day they're going to bring home that girl. Right. And not actually going to bring home that girl. So I would never want to disappoint my children to think that, they were that I'm having a different reality of what it might be. So I'm not putting a gender specific to who they're going to have a relationship with. And because, even though our government isn't allowing um, same-sex marriage right at the moment, I'm actually saying we're not allowed to do it right now, but probably by the time that you get there, it's not really going to be an issue. There's, there's yeah. absolutely no way for me growing up that we had that conversation. No. So it's just opening it up to, you know, look, it's kind of like not a big deal. I'm trying to make it not a big deal at all. Like it is what it is. We are all just going to be with whoever we want to be. Um, and there's even been where my, um, my kids have actually met children that are, are starting to identify themselves as transgender and we're having those conversations at home and yeah. and, it, and it's it's no big deal I'm just saying we'll just refer to them by their name rather than he or she well it's interesting because you know I'm a writer for a million years um, and when I was trained in, in in school we were taught English grammar and it was he and she, and if you were writing to an audience of two genders, 
which there was all that was considered at the time, the gender choice would be he. And then a number of years later with feminism, people started writing on the top of their, their papers and things that they were choosing to use she to refer to everyone. And I found that I automatically slipped into writing they. Yeah. And somebody corrected my grammar recently on a blog and I had to say, and I, and I haven't gone and done it yet, but I will put it up on all my sites so that it's really clear. That actually was deliberate. It was my effort not to pigeonhole people, people by gender. I've just mm. taken to using they all the time. It's easier than writing he, she, they, you know, or, you know, you can have a hundred different pronouns. So I've just given up and I've just started writing they, and it, 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 they. it fascinates me that it's something that it was just automatic because I do so much work with people who are gender fluid that it's you practice so that you are addressing people the way that they want to be addressed and eventually you internalize it. Um, so it's interesting to watch what teenagers are doing with that. I mean, I've met quite a number of gender fluid teenagers over the last year. And I do think that Caitlyn Jenner it definitely made some of this conversation for the dinner table, which it wasn't before. Yeah. I'm even going to schools where now they don't have a gender-specific toilet, which I just think is amazing. It's brilliant. You know, to have something so open. Or even with uh, school uniforms, that they're having one kind of school uniform and that's, you know, whoever wants to wear anything that they want, as long as they fit within the school uniform. Yeah, our so school does that. Yeah, yeah, we've got a we've got a gender fluid um, uniform for our students and a and a um and a toilet that they can choose to use either both. So, what kind of information are the kids getting like to go along with that when they ask about? Because gender is one thing, but invariably that leads to questions about sex. Well, we haven't actually had any questions um, about that Interesting. so far. Yeah, so. I don't know if he, because we're at my, our children are still quite young, so my, my boy's just about to turn nine, so he probably hasn't been exposed to that yet. No, no. Um, but again, you know, when it happens, it, it's just it's just that little bit of it really questioning where are you at, how much do you know here, because I don't want to give him, um, you know, rubbish information. I don't want to give him sort of the stalk business. I want to give him the real stuff, but then I don't want to have to go too far either. He doesn't need to know everything right now. He just needs to know what he needs to know in an age-appropriate way. It's funny. Like, hmm? Go ahead, Sasha. I think about teenagers um, and talking about, uh, you know, when we're talking about different genders, it's almost like having a conversation where, Sometimes um, sex and the gender don't actually yeah. come into the same conversation because it, it's not it's not so much of a big deal. Like my gender is one part of me, and who I'm sexually attracted to is another part of me. They almost don't mix. So who I am as a woman really doesn't, um, and and how I feel about different things isn't necessarily um, related to me sexually. So it's it's about almost having two separate conversations and they're a little bit different, which obviously then stems a bigger conversation to be able to have with teenagers. 
but it's just opening it up to saying this is about being a human and then let's talk about sex because um, without kind of focusing on, on transgender, there is a lot of people that are saying now we're not, you know, we don't want to ask about surgery, we don't want to say how far you've gone and what's happened and, and those kind of private conversations. So what we do need to do is focus on what it is for each individual person. So I guess if you're having those conversations, um, that's pretty, uh, it's being able to be open even to a whole nother level. Right. So what do you think are the most important things that teenagers need to know now about sex and sexuality? I, I definitely think about talking about things online and um, being very open with them about how they might actually feel. I think one of the most important things is that we need, also need to let them know that um, because there's so much information saying that, you know, don't sex, don't don't send photos of yourself naked and but all of these kind of things. Don't put stupid photos of yourself online. But having a real conversation as parents and saying you're going to get into this situation where you and another person may be texting each other and you may be getting it, may be getting a little bit hot and heavy and it's going to feel really good. And you're going to want to send that photo because you are so heightened by this emotion. But please don't get caught up in that because there are consequences to that. Rather than just saying a blanket statement, don't send photos of yourself nude, right? Because that almost makes it sound like it's bad. Right. Well, where is the... Because the feeling behind it is so good. Yeah, and whereas the issue is not, not with the photo per se, it's the fact that it exists out there forever in a day. That's the problem. It isn't the, the yeah. loving your naked body that's an issue. What what yeah. I like about what you just said, though, is that, that it talks about it feels good because there's um, a woman called Peggy Orenstein who did some recent research on girls and sex. And she was looking at the age group from sort of 16 to kind of 22 and trying to see if things have changed a bit since 20 years ago or more. And what was really sad was that these girls still don't think about or know about their own pleasure. Their focus is still on what they need to do to look good in the act, how they should be with to make a boy feel good or a partner feel good, and not about what feels good to them. And so somehow sex education seems to be missing the part about this where it feels good. Yeah. And I don't think that we're talking about it. That I mean, why is everyone sending naked photos of themselves from the beginning of the moment that we could take photos? Why are we doing it? We're doing it because it feels good. Yeah. Now, just another element that it's out there in the world. So please understand that at that moment of feeling good, which is kind of like where it goes back to the same situation, you know, it's going to feel good and you're probably not going to want to put that condom on. Yeah. Because, right, so again, it's just... Uh, it goes back to that same thing and saying, look, I'm all up for you. The greatest gift that we have is eating food and having sex, really. So <laughs> and, and sleep as well. So we may as well say these are our joys. You know, we don't, we, there's only a handful of these primitive things that we have as human beings. Don't push them off as, as not. You want to get kids to be uh, interested and, um, excited about this. I mean, kids, when I say teenagers, that this yeah. is going to feel good. But these are the, the things that you're going to have to watch out about. You are going to have to put on a condom because you do need to stay safe. 
and and there is going to come a moment yes that that's going to ruin that that tiny little thing but if you don't do it the repercussions are so much worse yep. same as with that photo it's going to feel good but it's not worth that yeah, and that I mean, and I just I just really like the way you put it. It's just very down to earth, and I think that that's what they need to be hearing. And I'm not sure that they're hearing much of that in school, from 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 like the regular curriculum. You know, they're still getting now. They're talking consent. At least I know we're talking consent in my son's school because I sent them the cup of tea video and said, "Oh, isn't it they amazing? Heard that they're going to so do good. consent. It's great." I said, "Okay, if you're going to do consent, this is great. This will make them laugh, but it will get the point across." Um, but I use that all the time, um, Laurie Beth, in my seminars with university students. Yeah. So I, I get uh, often to speak to um, the first week orientation week. Uh, you know, students in in first year university here in, in Australia and. I show them that video and they, they laugh, but then there's that moment of, oh, yeah, that's right. And I'm still we're still having to talk about consent in a university setting. So they've been through their school up to, you know, year 12 here, and then they go into university and we still need to talk about it. And I, and I sort of put it in a way where, and with university students, you can be a lot more open and, you know, they're obviously adults, so it's a different scenario, but they're still sort of some, most of them are 18 or 19. But, you know, I say, okay, so what does consent mean? And they always say, oh, permission. And, and I say, well, so how do you do that in a sort of sexual, if you're ever going to have any physical or sexual contact with a person, then you need to get their permission. How do you do that? Use your, you know, choose your words, whatever that may be. Are you cool with this? Yes. Are you cool with this? Yes. Protect, proceed. It's not, you know, it doesn't mean whip out a contract. You know, <laughs> I would like to have sexual relations with you at 12.47 for 13 minutes. Please sign here. Yeah. And they all laugh, you know. So I find, um, it, you know, that, it, that you, you need to put a bit of humour in there as well and stories as well to connect with them in the first place. They're getting a lot of their information from the internet and it's so sad because a lot of the teenage girls that we're speaking to are, you know, are so worried about what does my vagina look like and it doesn't oh, yeah. look like that and it has to be waxed and it has to be this and it has to be that and I have to look like, you know, the most amazing porn star to, to begin with. Well, that's not true. Everyone's first experience at sex is going to be messy and bumbling and, and awkward and, you know, if you haven't done something for the first time, you're not going to be an expert in it. But there's this pressure now with our girls, um, especially to feel like they have to be amazing and look amazing and look perfect. And it's just not the way it is. So we need to really be connecting with them and giving them the great information, but also in a way that they can get and that they can understand and it takes that sort of awkwardness out of the whole yeah. conversation. I mean, it's it's really frightening to me because the the whole thing around labiaplasty has um, become the mm. second most popular um, cosmetic surgery. So, like, yeah. rather than talking about women of my age who you know start looking at, or if they haven't already, start looking at things like let's have a facelift and let's lift our eyelids and things like that. These are girls in their twenties who want to get their vaginas reshaped because yeah. their labia reshaped because they don't feel that they have the right shape labia. Nobody's told them that every labia is different. You know, all they have is this image, and and the Barbie doll, and they're actually yeah, trying to become real life Barbies. And nobody's pointed out that Barbies were made without genitals. I mean, it's yeah. it's absolutely frightening to me, but it's. 
I think it's 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 got to do with the fact that everything is immediate now and and that you have access to everything. Of course, in our day, there were just as many porn movies. We just couldn't see them as easily. Okay. You know, we had to get somebody to go and rent them. We had to, you know, be over 18 before we could access them. Now they just log online. Yeah, well, that's um, that's sad because it's just another pressure. You know, you have to look a certain way and speak a certain way and watch this thing. Is it? It's just so much. It's so much. It's like, can't we just relax? It's one of the most natural things. Can we just enjoy it? And yeah, you're right. That where is the focus on the girls actually coming at this? At pardon the pun. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, in, in, uh, my enjoyment. Yeah, it's about me. It's not about it's, it's it's about both of us, but it's actually about me too. It's to be honest, I think if you. we're gonna if we're gonna have that if we're gonna get them to think in that way, we've got to start talking about masturbation when they're young. We have yeah. to start making it okay for them to discover themselves. We have to teach them to explore themselves and their privacy of their own space, so that they have an idea of what feels good to them. Yeah, and that when they start looking on at movies and reading books, that they actually know what feels good to them and know what works for them, and then they can take it a step further by inviting somebody into their space. Part yeah. of the reason we have this problem is that what we do immediately is tell them not to touch themselves, and we tell them, you know, how horrible their pleasure is, and and everybody either makes a big deal of it or labels it in such a way that it becomes nothing. So mm. you know. You know, when you're doing your body parts, you know, these are your eyes, you know, these are your hips, these are your knees, and there's your coochie, or there's, you know, I mean, it's like there's no, or nothing at all, or it gets skipped, you know, so that the three-year-old doesn't say vagina or penis in the middle of a room, you know, so nobody mentions yeah, yeah, yeah. it, but it's, like, it's an intense message that we give when we do that. Yeah, yeah, well, we're, we're very big on naming body parts correctly here, Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, they're being thrown around in lots of circumstances. The weirdest was the other day we were playing a game of guess who. The boys were playing a game of guess who. You know the game where you have to guess yep. what the opponent's yeah looks like. And my three-year-old said, <laughs> said, "Does your guy have a moustache? No. Okay. Does your guy have a hat? No. Uh, does your guy have a penis on his head? No. Okay." <laughs> <laughs> Well, the next question. I don't remember that character. No, me either. Maybe he has whipped out a, a, a new version that I'm not aware of. But um, it was just, it was just one of those moments where I thought, good, good, good on you for naming the body part correctly. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mummy was so successful on the use of the word in sentences. I think that's great. I think it's wonderful. But you know, I mean, that's that's where it starts. As long as, because then it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Yeah, exactly, exactly that's right. And that's the same that goes back to that gender conversation that we we're having before. Our kids, in our families now, it will be a, it will be no big deal because when we address it as that, you know, oh yeah, they can't, you know, that that, that girl, that guy used to be a guy, now it's, now it's a girl. Now that you know, the person's a girl. Oh, cool. That's it. That was all we got. Our Caitlin conversation was. Used to be a yeah. guy, now she's a girl. Oh, cool. Okay. And that was what it was. And, and, and that's all it needs to be. It doesn't need to be anything else that needs to be. No other connotations put on that. It just, oh, okay, cool. And I, I mean, for me, that says it. And I think that's what it is about about providing them with education is is naturalizing all of this. And, and also, as 
Hmm? Also, as parents, yep. we need to um, understand these conversations. So if your child is actually being exposed to somebody who's having issues with their gender, then you they can't actually overhear you as parents talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in front of my children, I may actually be the mum that says, oh, well, that's okay. You know, they're just referred to them as they. It's no big deal. But then they hear me on the phone to my girlfriend's going, oh, my God, you're not going to believe. Like, we've got a guy turning into a girl in our classroom and, you know, and making it a big deal. So it's, again, hearing the language that we're speaking about it. Yeah. Yeah, no, most definitely. And so, they pick up on those conversations with other people as well. Yep. That they can feel comfortable enough to come to you and say, oh, I heard uncle such and such say this. Mm, well, you know, and they're explaining that, you know, some people still have the view of uh, have outdated and silly, silly views So, and explaining what they, you know, where they're coming from and what they're talking about because if we're making it so matter-of-fact and casual and then they hear the, the extended family or whatever conversation to be different, then, yeah, then knowing that they can come to you and say, oh, I just heard, some, I just heard that family member say this, what's that about, Mum? Well, yeah. here it is. This is the this is the deal. Yeah. Yeah, and so it's and so they know that it's safe to bring anything to you, which I think is the most amazing thing. And that's about connecting with them from a young age. And that's about. I mean, Sasha is fantastic at this. She with her children. She's she's raised these boys who just come. They just talk, talk, talk all the time, and they tell her everything that's happened at school. And 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 that's because you know we're trying, and I'm trying to ask lots of questions without it being an interrogation, but to mm-hmm but to connect with them. And I have a, a nearly 23-year-old stepdaughter who has been in my life since she was one. So I'm essentially her mother without the stretch marks bit. And she um, she would always come to me and ask me questions, particularly about sex, because we had this connection from the beginning because I was interested in her life. Right. What's going on? How is this party? What happened here? Who hooked up with who? And if you can throw in a few names, the, the, the players in her life, you know, you've actually listened and you're interested and it forms the connection which allows them to then come back to you when those tough things are happening yeah. or those tricky questions are coming up and they can they can trust you because you're interested and involved and, and, and aware of what's happening in their lives. Exactly. So what have you guys got coming up in the near future that you want to tell everybody about? Over to you, Sasha. <laughs> Um, so we will be, uh, we've got our first book coming out, which is on the 1st of August. So it's The Two Worlds of Your Teenager. Um, people can find us online and that's uh, au because we're in Australia, so don't forget the AU. And it's S-O-N-Y-A and S-A-C-H-A. And you find out all about us. We speak in a couple of hundred schools each per year. Uh, about a whole range of different topics and and this specifically about uh, being safe online is is one of the topics that we talk about. Uh, And um, we're about to release in August a range of um, different clips where people can learn information about parenting um, through our own website. You can look us up on YouTube, which is, again, Sonia and Sasha. Uh, follow us on social media. We've got a radio show, and you'll see all the background behind the scenes of 
um, putting the radio show and TV show together. So, and we discuss a whole lot of different topics. We also interview a whole range of different guests um, in studio and, and um, uh, live on air about every topic. Everything you can here. imagine. Well, on the and website with um, um, on my website a to z of sex .com, in the script for this, you'll have all the links. So anybody who wants to find the links, they can. It's very easy. When you download the podcast, right underneath will be all the links and all the descriptions. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys will come back and talk with me again. I know it's really early in the morning there, so I really appreciate you getting up. Okay. It's been great fun. Thank you so much for having us. It has been fun and, and what a great topic, you know, something that's really necessary to, to um, talk to our kids about. So it's been great. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for joining me this week for the A to Z of Sex. Write in with questions to Dr. Lori Beth at a to z of sex.com. That's A T O Z O F S E X.com. Or if you're in America, that's a Z. And visit both websites, www.adazofsex.com and www.the-intimacy-coach.com to learn about alternative sexual choices, types of sexual relationships, and to learn to sizzle and create that ideal lasting intimate relationship. For a free 30-minute session with me, head over to www.adazofsex.com and click on the button that says book now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on iTunes and or Stitcher. You can do it anonymously and please subscribe. Join me next week when the letter will be F and F will be for forum. We're going to be doing a live Q&A. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the A to Z of sex. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review here on iTunes and make sure you head over to www.com a to z of sex.com that's a t o z o f s e x to subscribe to my free newsletter to help you keep your sex life sizzling stay tuned for upcoming weekly episodes as we work our way through the sexual alphabet to discover the wide world of sex sexuality desire and intimacy knowledge gives you the power to create relationships that bring you satisfaction and joy Hope to see you next week.